Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. It's an interesting phrase that is used here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 9. It says, for we are laborers together with God. And really, we could spend a whole a series just looking at that phrase and looking at that idea of we are laborers together with God. But then at the end of the, uh, of the verse, it says, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. You know, sometimes people wonder, where is God? I don't see God. Where is God's involvement in this world? Where is God's involvement with people? Why does God feel so distant to some? And, and uh, what, what it really is God's doing? If you really want to see where God is working, look at God's people. Because that's where God is trying to work. That is where God is trying to build. If you want to see God's building, it is here, you and me, those that are saved. Here at Bible Baptist Church, we are God's building. And when you are building a building, just in general, there's a, a, several things that you need. First of all, of course, you need building materials, right? If you're going to build a building, of course, you need some materials to begin with. You'll need some concrete, you'll need some wood, you'll need some 2x4s or 2x6s, you'll need uh, all of these different things, you'll need some drywall, you'll need some insulation, you'll need some piping, you'll need all sorts of materials just to even get started. Without any materials, you have nothing. So, of course, we know that we need materials. If you're going to be building a building, you also need a builder. You can't just have the materials. You need somebody to work with the materials to, to build it up. And praise the Lord that God is the one who builds his church. Amen? In Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. I'm glad that I'm not the one that builds a church. And with all due respect, I'm glad that you're not the one that builds a church either. I'm glad that God is the one that builds a church because I make a lot of mistakes. I'm glad there's no amens there. You make a lot of mistakes as well. We all make a lot of mistakes, but God never makes a mistake. You know, God always does what is right. God always does what is good. And we know that Jesus will build his church. So we know that we have a builder. We know that Jesus Christ is the builder and Jesus works through his people to accomplish his purpose. We know that God works through the believers of Bible Baptist Church in order to build up Bible Baptist Church. You need some materials if you're going to build something. You need a builder if you're going to build something. And thirdly, you're going to need some tools. You're going to need some tools to be building some things. And uh, I don't know how many of you have noticed, uh, but I remember when I came here at Bible Baptist Church, there's the table that we use on Wednesday nights when we have the Lord's Supper, when we do it. You know, there's that table that is here. On Wednesday nights, there's a table, and there's, uh, you know, the, 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 the plates that are here, and there's a table there. And I remember seeing that table for the first time, really kind of taking a good look at it. And I noticed that right in the middle, it's actually that table right there in the back in the center. You may have not have noticed this, and if you can't see it now, after the church service, go up there, look at it. Our church logo is inset in the middle of the wood. And I was looking at that, and I was like, wow, that's interesting. I wonder where we got this table. Well, we didn't buy the table. A church member built that table. I visited 
uh, David Dodge, and I went over there, and I saw his, you know, his garage, and he had all sorts of equipment, all sorts of tools that he would use in order to make things, and I saw some different uh, uh, pieces that he had built or was working on or was looking to work on, and he had some tools. You know, I've always looked at things like that and thought, wow, that would be a great thing. I would love to be able to maybe work with some wood, be able to build something, make something great. The problem is I don't have any tools. I have no tools. I remember when I got married, I, uh, I put on the registry, we put, Esther and I, we put all sorts of the basic things that you put on your wedding registry. You know, you put the kitchen things and you put the home things and you have all sorts of things. And I remember uh, looking online because I didn't know what you're supposed to put on a wedding registry. And uh, so there's a big list and all sorts of different lists. And one of them was a category called tools. And I had never seen tools on a wedding registry, but I thought, I'm putting them on there. I don't know if anybody's going to buy me anything, but I'm going to put them on there. And uh, somebody bought me a few things off of that list. What they bought me were some drill bits and like the little, you know, screwdriver bits and things like that. And uh, so I got some of those and I was pretty excited about it when I got it. The problem is nobody bought me a drill. So I still have these bits, I have all of these things, but I don't have any tool to use. And that greatly limits the amount that I can use them to build, right? So we need some tools, and praise the Lord, God has given to his people some tools. He has given tools to his people to help in the edification of his church. So I want to take a look at these tools that God has given to his people to the believers, to Bible Baptist Church, to help with the edification of the church. Number one, I see the presence, or if you want to use the word gifts, the gifts or the presence for edification. Spiritual gifts were given to God's people for the purpose of edifying or building up the church. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. I told you that you need to keep your Bibles open. We're going to turn to some verses. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, verse number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 1 says, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. We are to desire spiritual gifts. That is what he is telling this church here at Corinth. Follow after charity we won't get into this, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a chapter all about love, all about a charity, and uh, that is the thing that is most important. Follow after charity, after charity, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy, or that ye may preach. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries, but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth who? Himself. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesy. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, that the church may receive edifying. 
There were some gifts that were given to the early church believers that we do not have today, but you see it in Acts chapter number 2. You see on the day of Pentecost, you see tongues. And you see it a number of times. You see it three times in the book of Acts. And you see some instruction that is given all throughout 1 Corinthians 14 regarding this. And, and Paul here begins this section really not in 1 Corinthians 14. He begins it in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. He elevates love above the spiritual gifts that these individuals in the church were seeking. So he begins there. That's the premise. The premise is that we should grow in the love of God, that we should love the Lord, and that we should love others. After that, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. And he's, he gives this, uh, he expounds a little bit about the gifts, and, he, and he, he compares preaching or prophesying and tongues. And he says explicitly in verse 5, I would that ye all speak with tongues. He said, I would love for all of you to speak in tongues, but rather, but even better that ye would prophesy. He said it was great, it might be great that you would all have this gift, but there's something even better. It's called prophesying. It's called preaching. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues, except the interpret. Why? Why would he emphasize preaching so much that the church may receive edifying? Paul's goal and mission in life was, number one, to please the Lord, but also to uh, edify the church. He went around preaching the gospel. He saw people to be saved. He organized some churches together, and it was very involved, and he would go back around to the churches that he had started to exhort them, to teach them, to help them, to edify them. And he had some wonderful gifts. He was a charismatic individual. He had great leadership qualities. He was bold and encouraged, and, and he had some wonderful gifts, and he used them in order to edify the church. You know, obviously, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a newcomer here to the church in terms of I've only been here for about two years. Many of you have been here much longer than that, and you're much fam more familiar with the people here of the church. Uh, but as somebody who had more recently come in, it, it kind of, uh, you know, it, it amazes me the level of talent that is here in the church. Many of you have some great gifts and some great abilities and, and some talents and some skills, things that you could do. And and uh, those talents and skills and abilities should be used for the edifying of the church. Those things, the skills and abilities that you have should be used to help edify the church. They should be used to help edify where God is building. You know, some of you have some musical abilities. That's great, and that's wonderful. Some of you are talented, and some of you not so talented, and and uh, many, you know, I play the piano, and uh, sometimes people say, oh, you're so talented. I say, I'm not that talented. I just practice so much that here I am. You know, I see some other people, and they sit down at the piano, and they pick it up like it's nothing. I'm so jealous of those people. And I think I had to practice for years in order to get that. And uh, they just come down, they sit down, and they got it in just, you know, a few days or weeks. And I think, wow, that's amazing. Some people have some great musical abilities. Hey, the church could use those abilities to help edify the believers. 
You know, if you play the piano, learn the piano. If you can sing, learn to sing and, and develop that skill and use it for God's glory. Some of you have some different abilities. Some of you are great at teaching. Some of you have some artistic abilities. You know, my wife, every year for a Vacation Bible School, has been kind of in charge of the decorations. And, and she does a great job, doesn't she? She does a great job. And, but she doesn't do it alone. There are others that help alongside of her. And uh, we have some great people with some vision and some sight. And, and they know what they're doing. And they can uh, picture some things. And, it, and it's great. And it's uh, used greatly for the church. And if you have some of those things, some of you have some, uh, a great ability to, let's just be honest, you have a great ability to make money. You know how to work the deal and get into business and develop these things and, and generate a profit. That's a wonderful thing, but God could use that in his church to help edify the church, can he? Hey, the church has some financial needs here and in order to reach out and in order to develop people and help people. Hey, all of these things that we might have, maybe you're a great leader. Hey, use that in the church. Whatever talents and abilities that we have really should first of all be done for the glory of God. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. And you know what glorifies the God? The building up of his church. Here at Bible Baptist Church, our goal is to lift up the Lord and let's use our talents and abilities in order to edify the church. Hey, get involved. Hey, serve whenever there's an event, whenever there's an activity. Come and participate and get involved. Also, I see that there is a desire from the gifts. There is a design that God gave you some talents, abilities, and some opportunities, and he wants to use them for his glory and use them in his church. There's also a desire that comes from gifts. If you're there in 1 Corinthians 14, turn over to verse number 12. Verse 12 says, Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts. So, we know that this church, they really wanted to have the gift of tongues. Every single individual was striving to get tongues and have it, and be able to demonstrate that. And, and Paul is acknowledging that. He says, I know that you're very passionate and zealous about getting the spiritual gifts. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. He says, you're so excited about getting this gift of tongues and having some spiritual gifts. And, and we know that 1 Corinthians, or, or the church at Corinth, is not exactly the most mature church. There were some problems there. There was some sin there. There was some fleshly things that were going on in the church. Not exactly the most mature church, not exactly the most Christ-like church. There were some things going on there. And so they're going after these spiritual gifts, and I'm sure some of them were using it to try to show off and, and uh, display where they had uh, maybe achieved some things that others had not. But here Paul, he says, you're zealous of the spiritual gifts. Seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church you're excited about getting the gifts get excited about building up god's church that's what he's saying hey we, we ought to be excited about getting involved in the the ministry of the church in order to build up the church mature christians are excited about the work of god they're zealous for the work of god that's one of paul's primary character traits right if you were to think about what kind of a man was paul of course he was very intellectual we know that we know that he was charismatic and he was a great leader. We know that. But we also know that he was greatly zealous for the Lord. Really, whatever it was that he did, he gave it his all, didn't he? 
before he got saved, he gave it his all in the wrong way. After he got saved, he took that zealous nature and he put it into the work of God. And he was zealous for the Lord and zealous for God's people. And he's telling these believers here, get zealous after the building that God is doing in the church. You see that God's people are zealous about the work of God. Titus chapter 2 verse 14. He uh, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Godly believers are passionate about doing good works, about doing the work of God. Revelation chapter 3 verse 19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Godly believers are zealous about repentance. They want to get that relationship to be restored. They want to get that sin to be cleansed. We ought to get some zeal for doing some good works, for repenting of our sins. Colossians 4.13 For I bear in record that he hath a great zeal for you. And them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. Here, we see that there's a believer here that is zealous for God's people. Hey, let's get some zeal here at Bible Baptist Church. Hey, let's grow in some some passion. People always talk about out in the world. What, What is your passion? What are you passionate about? God's people are passionate about God's things. They're passionate about God's people. Let's get passionate over Bible Baptist Church, about what's going on here, being able to proclaim the gospel to see people, to grow in their relationship with the Lord. Let's get zealous. When you have a gift and when you have a tool, it makes you want to go use it. Hey, let's use the tools that we have. Thirdly, I see the diversity of gifts. There is a diversity of gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. How is it then, brethren... When ye come together, every one of you hath the psalm, hath the doctrine, hath the tongue, hath the revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. Hey, that's a great rule to have in a church, which is just this. If you don't know what you're supposed to do, think about this. Is it going to help build up the church? That's the rule. Let all things be done unto edifying. If you're not sure whether you should or should not do something, think, is this going to edify the church or not? Hey, if there's an activity going on and you're wondering, oh, I'm not really sure if I want to go to this or not. Hey, if you go, would the church be edified? Would some individual be encouraged or exhorted or helped when you're there? Hey, maybe that's a great rule. Let all things be done unto edifying. But here he, Paul is talking to this church and he's talking about uh, you have this gift of tongues, but everybody has different abilities. Everybody has a different perspective. Everybody has different skills. I'm glad that people here at Bible Baptist Church, not everybody has the same skill. I'm glad that everybody has different tools and different gifts and different abilities. It wouldn't make sense if you're trying to build a building if you gave every single person a hammer. Some people would be like, great, I need, a ta- uh, I need a hammer. This is what I need to help build up this building. Maybe if you're a framer, you say, hammer is great. I need a hammer. I got the nails. I have the wood. But the tool that I need is a hammer. But if you go to the electrician, you give him a hammer, he's going to be like, what am I supposed to do this? 
What, what is this for? Where do I use this? How is this useful for me? I need something else. If you go to the person who's going to lay out the concrete and you say, all right, here's all of the materials that you need. Here is the place. Here is your hammer. He's going to look at the hammer and be like, I don't need a hammer. I'm not a framer. That's not where I'm serving. This is where I'm serving. This is what I'm doing. I need a different tool. I need a different gift. I need a different thing to help me in the building. And God knows that, so he gives different believers different gifts. Romans chapter 12, verse number 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Not everybody does the same thing. Not everybody has the same uh, gift. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Again, the church is compared to a body. Every body part has a different tool that is needed and used for its purpose. You know, the hand is shaped like the hand to accomplish what the hand needs to do. The eyeball looks like the eyeball in order to do what the eyeball needs to do. Every single body part is different, looks different, acts different, is used differently in order to help the body as a whole. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us and here are the gifts. Whether prophesy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. The word prophesy has this meaning of to proclaim or to speak forth. It's uh, uh, sometimes the word prophesy, when you see it in the Bible, has to do with telling the future. Right? The book of Revelation, we see that there's prophesying, there's a telling of the future. But this word here is, is more uh, uh, along the lines of preaching. You know, some people have that gift of proclaiming the word of God. Some people have that. Verse number seven, or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Ministry just means serving or service. Whenever you see in the Bible the word ministry, it means service. So some people have the gift of ministry. They have the gift of service. Now, we are all supposed to be servants, amen? All of us are to be servants, amen? Right? I know the first thing that whenever we see that we have gifts differing and then one of them is service, somebody says, oh, I'm glad that that's not my gift. <laughs> oh, that's your gift of service. I don't have to do service. No, every one of us is supposed to serve, amen? But some people have a special gift of service. And I was, I was thinking about this, and I, I don't know exactly all that this means, but I, I do think that some people just have that mentality of service, of it doesn't care who gets the credit. It doesn't matter what I have to do. I'll just get it done. I love people who have that attitude. I love people who have that attitude of, I don't care what I got to do. I don't care who has to do it. Let's just get the job done. And I, I believe that people who have this gift of ministry, they have that gift, that mindset. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Some people have a great gift of teaching. You know, I'm sure every single one of you, when you were in school or when you were in college or uh, just uh, wherever you are, you know that there, some people are incredibly smart and intelligent. And you know that they're way smarter than you. Right? I've been there. I've been in the classes and sitting there and trying to follow along, and I know that what he's saying makes sense, but I have no idea what he's saying. You've been there? Right? You know what I'm talking about. Right? Some of you are like, no, I always, I always knew. Yeah, I, I got it first time. You know? And some people are like that, but I'm not one of them. But teaching is not just the display of knowledge. Teaching is the transfer of knowledge. 
teaching is not just I have the knowledge and I'm showing off the knowledge in front of you. Teaching is I have the knowledge and I want you to have it too. Now here you go. And teaching is that transfer of knowledge. And some people have that gift. Guess where you should serve? You should be a teacher here at Bible Baptist Church. One person said amen. <laughs> Those of you with the teaching ability, I don't know if, that's the, if you're thinking amen as well, but that's a great place for you. God has given you that ability to maybe make that connection and, and see where they are and be able to dis, show them just exactly how they need to be shown so that they could learn, hey, maybe you should be a teacher. Get involved in the kids' ministry, in the youth ministry, in some sort of teaching capacity. That would be a great thing. We could use some more teachers here. Also, on exhortation, on exhorting. Some people are just great at that, that they're, they're exhorting, they're encouraging, they're strengthening, they're, they're getting everybody to go, hey, let's go, let's get involved, let's do this. Some people are great at that. And we need those people, don't we? We need people here at Bible Baptist Church where, you know, there might be some people on the fence, I don't know if I'm going to do it, I don't know if I'm going to serve, I don't know if this or that. They need somebody who has that gift of exhortation, hey, let's do it. Hey, let's get involved. Hey, why don't you just do that? You need to do it. We need to do it. That's what the Bible says on exhortation. We need those people. Those people who just kind of energize you and, and help you to move forward. Also, the gift of giving. Some people have this gift of giving. They're givers. It also means that you need to have the gift of having something to give. You know, some people say, oh, I have a gift of giving. All right, what are you giving? Well, I don't have anything to give, but I love to give. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, you need something to give. And some people have that. Some people have a great ability in order to build up wealth or build up specifically here wealth and, and some other things in order to be able to give it to the church. When you see in the first church in the book of Acts, you saw that there were some people there who had that gift. Remember Barnabas. We know about Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. We see Barnas, Barnabas being introduced as somebody who had land, he had some wealth, he sold it, and he gave it to the church. He said, I don't know all of the things that I'm supposed to do or where, but I know that there is a need, I know that I have some supply, and he had the gift, so he sold the land and he gave it to the church. Barnabas was somebody, I'm sure, who had the gift of giving. We also see this gift of ruling. It has to do with this idea of leadership, administration, organization. Some people are like that. Some people are more gifted in organization. Others are not. And you know immediately who those who are not, they don't have that gift of organization, right? Some people have it. Some people do not. And praise the Lord for all the members of the church who have some sort of a gift. Lastly, we have this gift of mercy. Those that have mercy. Some people just have, there's that gift of mercy. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, just the way that I think, you know, I'm just a little bit more analytical. I feel like I, I lack this and I need to grow in this area. But some people can just really come alongside somebody. They can really, they can, it, it's almost like they can just sense that there's something there that this person needs and they come alongside of them and they encourage them. You know, when you look at this list, this, this uh, seven characteristics, the church needs all of them, don't they? You, you may not always need the, that person who has mercy, but every single one of us, we have the low points, and we need somebody to come alongside of us. 
You know, I think every single one of us probably at some point in our Christian life has uh, had moments where we strayed away from the Lord and, and maybe somebody is, you know, just blasting away at us. You need to do that and some people need that, but sometimes you just need somebody to say, hey, hey, let's get back to the Lord. Hey, just leave that sin aside. And, and why, why are you still going back to those things where the, the fruit of sin is death? Why are you going back to those things? You need somebody alongside of you like that. You need somebody who has the gift of teaching, don't you? Somebody to help you to learn and to grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. You need that. You need somebody with some organization, some leadership. Sometimes you just need some exhortation. You know the right thing to do, but you just need somebody to come alongside of you and say, I know that you know what you're supposed to do. You know what you're supposed to do? I know that you know what you're supposed to do. Let's just do it. And they encourage them. And they exhort them. We need that. We need somebody who can preach. We need some servants. We need those who can give and supply. And, and not everybody can do everything, but everybody can do something. So find your gift. Find your place. Find your area of service. God has given to us different gifts, different abilities, different perspectives. Let's use that in the ministry here at Bible Baptist Church so that we could be edified and built up. Secondly, I see that another gift that God has given is this gift of position, the position for edification. 2 Corinthians, you're in 1 Corinthians, turn to 2 Corinthians, chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians, chapter number 10. We're going to turn over a few verses. I know the verses are on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, let's turn there. 2 Corinthians, chapter number 10, verse number 8. Verse number 8 says, For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority. Now, Paul was an apostle, wasn't he? He had some authority, didn't he? That's what he's talking about. He said, God has given me this position of apostle. We don't have that today, but he had, he had some authority that was there. Which the Lord hath given us for edification. Paul was given his position in order to edify the church, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 10. Just a couple more chapters over. Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness. Now, Paul here, when he got to the church, he said, I just want us to be able to have some great fellowship together. He says, that's why I'm being a little bit harsh here so that when I get there, I don't have to, you know, be confrontational. I don't want that. You don't want that. Hey, just deal with your sin. Therefore, I write these things being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. Here is Paul writing to this church, and he's dealing with some correction that is needed in the church. Again, I think we've got a great church here, but we're not a perfect church. You know, we're going to need some correction sometimes, right? As individuals, we'll need some correction. As a group, we might need some correction we might need some correction at times. When we stray off track, when we get uh, caught up in sin and we're sinning and not repenting, we need, we need some correction that is there. And here is Paul and he's writing these letters and, he, and he's saying, I'm, I'm writing these things in order to correct you according to the authority or power that, I, that was given to me. 
this authority and power. And when you read some other passages, you see that he's actually a little bit embarrassed to even bring it up. He's a little bit embarrassed to even bring up that he has this position, this authority uh, to be able to do these things. But he brings it up because I think that this church needed to know that what he was doing was proper. What he was doing was proper as an apostle to correct the church. And that correction was used for edification. If you've ever been corrected, uh, you know, as a kid, you know, of course, you know, we get corrected a lot. And, uh, but when you get older, it gets a little bit harder, I feel, sometimes to take that correction. And uh, correction doesn't feel good, does it? You know, when you get corrected, you don't feel good. You feel a little bit lower, right? Right? Don't you feel a little bit lower? You feel a little bit smaller? You feel a little bit down? And, and Paul is addressing these things. He says that this correction that I'm giving you, this authority that I'm using in order to correct you, is used for edification and not for your destruction. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm not trying to bring you down. I'm not trying to make you feel lower or put you down. I'm trying to build you up. In order to build you up, I got I to gotta deal with these things. I got to deal with the correction. I got to deal with the sin. And so here is something that was given to Paul in order to help the edification of the church. The process was this. God gave the position to Paul. It was a tool. Authority was a tool to be used for edification. Paul took the authority... And he didn't always use the authority. We'll actually take a look at that in a moment. But he would take the authority, and when needed, he would use the authority in order to correct, in order to edify. If you're a parent, you know about this process. As a parent, you have authority, don't you? You're the parent. You're in charge. Amen? Parents should be in charge of the home. Amen? Right? When kids are in charge, it's trouble. All right? I love my child, but I don't want her in charge. Okay? I got to be in charge because I'm the parent. There's an authority that is given to me, right? But I'm not to use the authority to rule over, to lord over, to just dictate whatever it is that I want to do. I'm just going to sit back on the couch, bring me this, do this for me, all of these things. That's not the purpose of authority, is it? The purpose of authority is to raise up, to bring up, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, my child, right? The authority is to be used in order to edify, to build up, to raise up. That's the purpose of authority. Now, in the home, the authority, I do, I correct my child because she needs some correction. She comes here and she looks all cute, doesn't she? But there are times when she needs some correction, just like every other child. Now, whose job is it to correct her? My job. You know where that comes from? It comes from the authority that was given to me. The purpose is to help her to be raised up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If you let kids just do whatever it is that they want, every single one of us know the direction the kids are going to go in, right? We know what they're going to do. Hey, you give them a buffet of food and candy and everything that they could eat and say, you can eat whatever it is that you want. Guess what they're going to eat? All the stuff they're not supposed to eat, right? That's what kids do. That's what they want. That's what they go after. But as a parent, we got to help them. We got to guide them. 
we got to correct them at times. And here was a tool that was used in order to correct some individuals in order to help edify them. You know, that's why we need to be very careful about, you know, when we're in the church and a disregarding authority because the authority is used to help edify the church. Proverbs chapter 27, verse number 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I think every single one of you knows this, but if there's somebody here who doesn't know this, the people in ministry here at Bible Baptist Church are your friends. Amen? We're your friends. Some of you are like, oh, really? <laughs> you know? You, yeah, we're your friends. We're your friends. But you know, friends... Sometimes in order to help, we got we to gotta be a friend and say, hey, you know, there's, some, there's maybe something going on. You know, there are some good wounds and there are some bad wounds. You ever have surgery? You ever have invasive surgery? You get cut and the surgeon goes in there. That's a wound, right? It's a good one, isn't it? It's to help you. Maybe to heal you. To fix something. Now the recovery process is still there. It's a difficult thing to go through, but it helps you, doesn't it? That's what a friend does. you got some great friends here at Bible Baptist Church. There was a position, a tool that was given to the Apostle Paul, given to others in order to help in the edification of the church. Thirdly, I see the pattern for edification. The pattern for edification. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 19. You might even be right there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 19 says, Again, think ye that we excuse ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things dearly beloved for your edifying. So, here is Paul. He's at the end of a, a passage, really. And uh, he's saying that we do everything. Everything that we have been doing you want to take some time to read through the book of first and second corinthians there's some harsh things that are being said but he says them in order to edify the church but i want you to see what it is that he is directly talking about when he says we do all things for your edification and uh, you think that we make excuse of ourselves unto you you think that we're just making an excuse for why we did what we did no we did it for your edification what was it that he did in verse number 16 but be it so i did not burden you he did not burden this church with what he did not burden the church here at Corinth with financial support for him that's what he's talking about at other places we know that the church would financially support the Apostle Paul and we know that in some of his letters he would call out to other churches to collect an offering in order to help him, right? That's what he did. And he said, it's your responsibility to support me in the ministry as I go out and preach the gospel to all the creatures of the world. And so he did that. But here at Corinth, he took that burden of financial support off of them and he gave it to somebody else. He gave it to some churches in Macedonia. He took it upon himself. It seems that when he was in Corinth, when we read the book of Acts, that he was involved in, in having a secular job in order to support himself. He was a tent maker. And he, he found Aquila and Priscilla, who were also tent makers. 
And so it seems that he was working there when he was in Corinth in order to support himself in the ministry so that the church would not have to bear the burden of it. That's the burden that he's talking about. Verse 16, but be it so, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. Did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? He's saying that when I was there, I didn't take any support. And then the church people said, yeah, when he was here, he wouldn't take any support. But when he's gone, now we got to support him and give and do all of these things. And he's saying, hey, hold on a second. Hey, when I was there, that's not what I did. When I was gone, that's not what I did either. And he's telling them, we did all things for your edification to build you up. So here is a situation where he took the burden off of the church. I want you to turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. If you're there in Corinthians, go past Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You'll get to Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse number 8 says, Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. He says right up front, again, when we were there, we worked so that we did not have to depend upon the support from the church. This is at Thessalonica. Different churches, same situation. But I want you to see this whole situation together. If you read in verse number 10, we see an explicit requirement. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. There was a clear, explicit command that was given. Hey, if we're going to be edified and built up, we need to follow the commands of God. Don't we? We need to follow the commands of God, amen? Help me out here. we got to follow the commands of God. Amen? All right? That should be basic. We should obey God, right? We should obey God. And here is the command. There are some explicit requirements that were given to this church. We said commands all throughout the Bible. We need to follow them. Amen? We can't disregard the commands of God. We need to follow them. It's even simple things. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. we got to gather together, don't we? It's a great thing to be in church. You'll be edified when you come to church. And you will be part of the edification process if you come to church. So let's be involved in that process. There is an explicit requirement that was given. But there was also an explained reasoning in verse number 11. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. God gave a command to the church. And then he explained why he gave it. Now, the commands of God are not arbitrary. There's a reason for God's commands. Now, the reason is not always explicitly given to us, right? There's a level of faith as well that we need. God just says, you need to do it. Why? Just do it. All right, there's some faith there. But we need to obey all the commands, whether or not we know or understand the reason. But here, a reason was given. Everybody should not eat unless they worked. You work for what you eat. You need to stay busy. Why? Because there was something happening in Thessalonica. Guess what happens when you have too much free time? You get in trouble. Isn't that what happens? You have too much free time, and you get in trouble. That's what was happening. So Paul said, 
hey, hey, what are all of these people doing? They're eating all of the food that these people are working hard, and they're causing trouble in their free time. They're not using it to serve in the ministry. They're not using it to preach the gospel. They're causing trouble. He says, all right, new rule. If you don't work, you don't eat. Because these people who are not working, they're causing trouble. So here is Paul, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he gives a command, and he gives a reason. But I also want to see the exampling responsibility in verse number 9. In verse number 9, again, remember, the situation is, I did not take the financial burden uh, uh, and uh, give it to you. He said, I took it off of you and put it on myself. I worked, I labored in order to support myself in ministry. Verse number 9, not because we have not power, he says, not because I don't have the authority. He says, I'm an apostle. I have authority to say to the churches, it is your responsibility to support me. That's what he's saying. Not because we have not power. It's, like, it's not like I didn't have an option here. I had an option. But he chose the other way. Why? But to make ourselves an example or an example unto you to follow us. Another tool that you have to help edify believers is your example. It's a great tool. A great tool that is needed. A great tool that we all can have. One of the greatest gifts you can have and give to your church is to have a good example and have a good testimony. Be a good example. You want to help edify the church? Do what you would hope that others would do. I remember a long time ago, I heard the song and uh, the chorus. I don't know what the title was, but the chorus would go like this. I wonder what kind of church would my church be if every member was just like me. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Those of you that are here from Bible Baptist Church, some of you from other places, think about you and your church. If your church, those of you here, members of Bible Baptist Church, if your church, if this church were just like you, what would this church be like? What do you think it would be like? What time would the church service start if everybody came at the time you came? How many people would go soul winning if everybody went soul winning as often as you went soul winning. How many people would receive the gospel this year if they gave the gospel as many times as you gave the gospel this last year? What kind of church would my church be if every member were just like me? How much offering, tithes, missions, free will offerings, would come into the church if every member gave just like you? What kind of spirit would our church have if every member had the same spirit that I had? How much service, how much teaching would go on? And, and we could go all the way down the line, but if every member were just like me, I wonder what kind of church would my church be? Hey, the, one of the great things that you could do is give a great 
example to others. Becoming a parent is one of the greatest learning lessons that I think uh, pretty much anybody can have, and definitely for me, I've learned so much. My child will sometimes do what I tell her to do, right? I think every child will sometimes, maybe often, sometimes most of the time do what they are told. But it seems like my child always does what I do. If I do it, she does it. She copies me. She imitates me. She follows me. If every believer in this church were following you, where would our church end up? Where would our church be? You know, there's also the flip side. Hey, you want to be edified? Who should you be following? Following your lost friends? Following carnal believers? Maybe you should be following some faithful people, spending some time with them. Hey, why don't you reach out to your Life Connection teacher and, and uh, get together with them and just say, I want to spend some time with you. I want to get to know you. I want to I uh, grow in my relationship with the Lord. Maybe you even have some questions. You want to ask them some questions. Hey, it's an important thing for us to consider, who am I following in my Christian walk? One of the greatest tools that you can give to your church that is, is a good example. Hey, let's be a good example. Hey, let's be a good example to our kids. You know our kids are watching us, right? You know these little kids that are running around that are so great. I love them. And they're wonderful and they're awesome, but they're looking at us. They're seeing us. Hey, college students, hey, be careful. High school students are watching you. They're looking to see what you're doing. They're looking to see what kind of example to follow. Hey, be careful. Hey, those of you that are dating, be careful. You might say, well, I just want to date however I want. You might be setting a bad example. Hey, set a good example. Hey, be an example that you'd be proud of. Be an example that you would like for other church members to be and to have and to follow. I wonder what kind of church would my church be if every member was just like me. Hey, let's have a good pattern to follow. That's a, that's a gift that God has given to us to help edify the church. Hey, God has also given some position in order to help edify the church. God has also given us some, some presence or some gifts, some abilities. Hey, let's use all of the things, all of the tools that we have in order to help in the edification process. Let's see Bible Baptist Church to be built up this next year because every member here got involved, picked up the tools, and got to work. Let's pray.